Welcome to the Get Good at Presenting podcast with Lee Jackson. Hey, hello and welcome back to Get Good at Presenting the podcast. We've had a little break because I've been busy and doing stuff, I guess. Uh, but we're back. Got a couple of episodes that I found in my archives from a couple of years ago when I was president at a professional speaking association. I went to America to the National Speakers Association and interviewed a couple of the great speakers there. And today is one of those interviews uh, and it's about um, all sorts of different stuff. We covered quite a lot in about 25 minutes. We talked about singing and voice control, mentoring, the people you hang out with, magic, self-confidence, parenthood even, and paying comedians to sit at the back of your talk. So here's a very honest very nice little chat uh, with Vin Gang, a great speaker from the US and uh, from LA, in fact. Let's hear more. I'm really excited to have a guest with us today who I saw at main stage in the NSA in America. And I'm very pleased to say that we've managed to get hold of him via video from Los Angeles in the USA. It's my pleasure to welcome Vin Jiang. Hey, everyone. Great to connect. And I just have to mention here as well, Lee didn't know where I was from with my accent. If you're watching this right now, you have to guess where I'm from. Because Lee was like, you're some, tr- like, who, like, what are you? And he didn't know who I was. Like, yeah. I, but now I'll reveal from Australia, my background is uh, Vietnamese. <laughs> Vietnamese, Australian, living in the US. It's very complicated, Vin. Very yeah. Vin also gets the prize for having the best and largest microphone that I've ever seen on, on a show so far. It's quality. Same, same microphone Michael Jackson saying Thriller on. Is that right? It is right. Yeah, it's, it's, for those of you who want to get it, it's the Shure SM7B. Thank you. Now that for me as a speaker nerd, I love, I love a bit of speaker geek. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I, I've got a very boring Sennheiser headset, which will sound terrible. I agree. So Vin, I was there as, as an attendee, uh, as president at the NSA. To, you know, you were, you were, I guess, were just a name on a program. And I thought, you know, like, this looks interesting. I wonder who this guy is. Saw you come out on stage. Loved your sense of humor, but also loved the fact that you weaved magic into the messages that you're doing. I mean, that's literal magic, not just like sparkling <laughs> magic. <laughs> <laughs> not, not spirit fingers, no. That's, no, no. Uh, that, that's what fantastic. we call lame magic. <laughs> and so we see... Uh, so fantastic. Definitely one of the best speakers at the conference. I thought you had a great message and the stagecraft of what you did was just brilliant. And so thank you, Lee. So I wish we kind of want to ask, you know, for mm. this might, there might be some professional speakers listening or people who want to get into speaking. How did you find your style of speaking? I, well, it, it took a long time to kind of discover. And, and, and what's interesting about this, Lee, is that I, I think the way we speak right now, if you're not a speaker, the way we, you speak right now is it's just a set of behaviors that you've kind of gotten used to over time that was pushed onto you by the people around you that you admire. Okay. So, you know, if you admire your parents, then you kind of sound like your parents. If you admire your, your dad, and you kind of sound like your dad. So to me, the exploration of my sound and also my way of presenting was kind of breaking that mold and being willing to try different things. So, so there was a period, I kid you not, there, I kid you not, there was a period when I seemed a little bit like Anthony Robbins and I want to vomit in the back of my throat when I think about this, right? Because I didn't know any better. I just thought, cool, well, he's really successful, so I want to try that. Got on stage, did that. People were like, oh, you're a tryhard, you're this, you're that. I was like, well, that was bad. So, yeah. so the way I developed it was I emulated a ton of people 
I, it was just a horrendous process of copycatting and, and just kind of emulating people. And I realized, you know, emulation, some people look at it as a bad thing. I think it's the greatest form of flattery. And I did that. And then it kind of just all came together to become who I am now. Uh, okay. So it's re- it's re- there, was, there was no real kind of precision process. It was just, I like these 10 people. I want to become the summation of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, so, but yeah. somehow in the middle of that, you must have... You know, you, I never felt for a moment you were putting on an act in any way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I no. Thought, oh, this well, is Vin. You know, this is the guy it, well, down, down the pub doing a magic trick. This is what you would do. So how yeah. do you how do you find your authentic self in the middle of all that imitation? You know. So, so so think of it as imitation allows you to play songs on a piano you would never be able to play. So then during that process, you discover keys you've never discovered before. So what you're truly doing while you're emulating other speakers or entertainers or influential figures is you're discovering new keys in your voice, in the way you move that you've never known before. And then you'll play keys where you're like, oh, that felt really cheesy. I feel sick to my gut for saying that. And you go, well, I'll never do that again. So in the process of emulation, you're exploring and you're discovering and you're eliminating so what you're essentially doing through the process of discovery, I, I, I feel, is you're, you're creating your most authentic self. By, but you have to listen to what feels right. Wow. If, if, if you're blatantly emulating without listening and without taking the feedback in, then, then, then you are that form of bad copycat, I think. Yeah. But, but, uh, but here's the thing too. Like I, you know, if there's one thing I want to share with speakers is, is don't feel so bad about just... I mean, don't, don't, don't do paid gigs with people's style. I'm just saying when you're practicing emulate. It's okay. Because how does a chef become a great chef? He has to borrow the recipe from the greatest chefs in the world. He has to cook it enough to be, be good enough with the, the other chef's dish. Then he builds confidence to add lemon, to add garlic, to add more salt. I, see. I, I think it's, it's the easiest way to learn. So. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I, yeah, I, I sometimes talk about this, this fact that you can, you've got to know the rules mm. in order to break the rules. Yeah, correct. You know what I, mean? I love that. I love that. You've got to know how it works in order yeah. to say, actually, I'll break out of that box now. And yeah. so, so I, you know, I'm quite a, I try to be funny on stage. I'm not a comedian. I've done a little bit of comedy, but, mm. what, but what I found is I found my own style of comedy. So once I knew a little mm. bit of how comedy works, you know, funny looks to the audience, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Then once I know how that works, then I know that I can break that. I don't have to be, you know, my favorite comedian. I'm just leaving. Exactly. Yeah. So how long, how long a process was that till you felt so, that you were on stage and you felt this is now me? Oh, there was one line I remember. I can't remember who told me this now, but just a fellow speaker from South Australia. And he said to me that the best way to build the best life for yourself as a speaker is when you get to be yourself on stage, just a more amped up version yeah. instead of having these two personas. Because I, I started to have kind of two personas and I started to treat work life as a different life to home life which caused a lot of confusion in my own mind because I realized work life, home life, it's just one life. So then I, 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 the process of developing that other person that I wanted to be sometimes was quite quick. I was able to do that fairly quickly. It took me about 12 months to do that. But then to, make, to become that person always, meaning truly getting out of your comfort zone and going, I want to become this person because the other version of me is lazy. The other version of me doesn't put effort into speaking when I'm speaking to my wife, to my children, to my mum and dad. Because like, I used to talk like this, didn't really care, whatever. And I, I used to switch off when I go home. And again, my dad told me, he goes, son, the performance you do on stage is really 
not as important as the performance you, you do as you open the door and come home. And he goes, when you perform well on the home stage, you will perform better than you've ever performed on the world stage. And that, that gave me a lot of context. So I kind of realized that, you know, like the way I was spending time with my son or the way, the way I was spending time with my parents was like, I regret a lot of that because I put no energy into it. So, so I made the conscious decision. I, I want to become that person. Yeah. One life, one me. And wow. that took a long time, Lee, because it was fatiguing. It was tiring. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was fatiguing, but then, but then over a couple of years, it's easier and easier. And I give my son and my wife as much energy as I do now when I'm on stage, you know, like to me, it's just being alive. I'll rest when I sleep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. It's yeah. Wow. It sounds like you've been on a journey that it sounds, what you just said was just a, felt like a paragraph introduction to a book. You know, it was just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have no book. <laughs> I like the authenticity thing. I'm writing a book next year in 2018 on authenticity. Just a oh, beautiful. Book, just to start thinking about that because I think mm. it's such something that people are fascinated by now. You know, yeah. how do I be myself at work? How do I do? And then, of course, in the speaking industry, there is a level of performance that we do. Mm-hmm. Of course, we ultimately, people book us because they feel that we're the real deal and mm. we don't want to be a horrible grump off the stage and a sparkly, smiley person on the stage, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, and, that, and, that's, and that's true. And yeah. also just to, to, to give everyone full context for what I was doing, just, just hopefully so that it helps speakers or aspiring speakers, is that while I was discovering all of that and watching speakers and literally consuming every bit of content I could, I was either listening to them or I was watching them just to understand their demeanor. I was also doing a lot of theater classes and vocal singing classes because my, my magician mentor from Australia said to me, he goes, Vin, you, if, if you want to be a speaker, understand that. And I said this on stage at NSA. I said, like he, he told me, he goes, a, a pianist will practice for thousands of hours before he or she will play to a live audience. Now, now you want to be a motivational speaker. Yeah, good on you, mate. But, but your voice sucks balls. And I was like, well, thank you. That's, that's thank you. I appreciate that. Like, but I was like, yeah, it was, it was great feedback. It hurt. I was pissed off at him. But I thought, okay. Well, instead of just saying that, what should I do? And he goes, well, you really need to go to like singing classes. You need to learn how to use your instrument and spend a couple of thousand hours with that because he goes, that's the key thing for a speaker. Like he said, you want to be a magician? Vin, you better have some good dexterity. But if you want to be a sleight of hand magician, but he goes, but he goes, most people who want to become speakers and he, and he, he kind of dabbled in it and it's why he had a bit of a background in it. He goes, don't respect the craft of speaking. The first thing you've got to do is know that there's 88 keys on this piano, yeah. know they all exist and have tried all 88 keys. Wow. And I was like, wow. Okay. So then I, I started and it was transformational for me, Lee. I, I re- my, my piano teacher said one thing and I, 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 I'm just trying to find things that was really valuable that I want to add value. I sat down with her in the first class. She had her back turned to me. She was, and then she's going to sit down, young man. And she starts playing one key on the piano. And I'm like, okay, this is a scene out of a horror movie. She's <laughs> got to turn around and kill me. And then she, she plays one key. And then she turns around after a minute of one key. And then she goes, how do you feel? I'm like, ah, nothing. I, I don't know. Awkward. She goes, good. Turns around, play this beautiful song called Romance. About three minutes song. And then she turns around and she goes, how do you feel? And, I, and at that point, I was like, I was like really sad. Like, this is really sad. 
And she goes, Vin, most people go through life speaking with one key. You're about to learn how to use the entire piano. And I was like, take all my money, take it. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was crazy. And, and she did charge a lot of money. So she did take a quite, a, quite a lot of my money, but she, she was one of the most transformational people in my life as a speaker. She taught me that you're playing music when you're on stage and the way you use the different keys in your voice will control how people feel just like how a piano song without words can make you feel sad, inspired, scared, happy, disgusted. Every single human emotion can be felt with just sounds that have no meaning to it. Wow. So, so she helped me discover a world of meaning just from sound. That's why she, she and, and she, she, was, she was a linguist as well. And she was, she was lovely. She said to me, Vin, did you know that you can speak to someone and you, you will know this, Lee, you play basketball with people from all different cultures. She goes, you, you will know when someone from Africa is speaking to you and is angry. You'll know. You'll know the underlying emotion. You won't know what they're saying, but you know the emotion. Why? And I was like, ah, oh, damn it, you're so smart, woman. And it just drove me insane, like how, 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 how many knowledge bombs she was dropping on me. And, oh, mate, unreal. Wow. So would you say that a lot of professional speakers that you've met neglect the voice the the ones who are successful didn't neglect it yeah. but rather left that to chance okay so a lot of them kind of a lot of them are doing great because and the ones that are doing great at a higher level and i've had such a blessing to be able to spend a lot of time with them over here i'm namely like mel robbins and josh linkner and and peter sheen and all these wonderful speakers at the upper echelon and when i spend time with them what i realize is they have such great control of their voice. And so I ask them, I go, hey, did you, did you do vocal training? They go, oh, no, I'm not a singer, Vin. I'm a speaker. So then I realized that these people accidentally learned on the way and were so, they have such great situational awareness and such a self-awareness mm. that when they did a certain melody and it worked and people felt a certain way, they locked it in. Wow. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I do not have that much <laughs> self-awareness. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I, I think, yeah. Going back to the comedy thing for me, that was my, you know, I discovered that by accident and then you, that's what you yeah. did. Oh, that works. And so somehow yeah. in your psychology, you, you hold on to that and you think I'll bring that mm. out next time. And, but you see, uh, not, not many people have that good of a memory. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, think about that. Like, the, the memory you have to have to be able to store all of that yeah. for a 45-minute keynote, mate, that is just unrealistic. Sure, sure. Well, for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. So you obviously love learning. You obviously love to develop your craft, and, and, and I've mm. seen it, and it was fantastic, and I'd, I'd book you. In Thanks, Lee. If I could afford you, I'd book you, Vin. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but obviously, the other big love in your life is magic. Now, yeah. How you know? Were you always doing card tricks as a kid, and then you managed to bring that onto stage? You know, I, I think if you look at my journey, it wasn't one of those stories where it's, oh, I saw magic for the first time and yeah. fell in love with it. No, it was, it was. I wanted attention. Uh, right. quite, quite, quite simply, it's you know, to be transparent, I just I was a kid, low self confidence, low self esteem. No one gave me attention. I was fat, glasses, acne, pretty big time Asian nerd, and so I, I just lacked self confidence. So. So again, kind of accidentally stumbling on magic. I was like, this is a great fraudulent way to get attention. <laughs> this is fantastic. 
So I didn't have, you know, wonderful, pure reasons besides from I wanted attention. I wanted to be noticed. And, and you know, then it got nicer in the end because magic then gave me a lot of self-confidence. You know, magic, magic gave me a sense of importance. Magic gave me a sense of, of value. And from there, my life took a completely different turn. You know, people were excited to see me. And, and, and what, I, what I say to, to mums and dads is I say, children always go through a period of magic. Really encourage that because when they learn a trick, they perform it. And then you're like, wow, you know, like my son's name is Xander. I'm like, Xander, how did you do that? It's an injection of self-confidence. They stand different. They walk different. They walk yeah. away from that feeling a million dollars. And when you feel like that, you do really good things in life. Wow. Yeah, that's great, great, isn't it? Yeah. We, in fact, just last weekend, is, it was a bank holiday here. We have like a, a long weekend, you know? Mm, yeah. They have the Monday off work and, and oh, I love gigs. So it was great. So we, I was with my family and my, my great niece, who's seven, and my my cousin's daughter, who's about seven or eight, they did a magic show. And so we oh, sat, we sat so outside cute. in the garden and they came out and they did, uh, <laughs> they obviously bought a magic kit at Christmas or something. And they did a couple of card tricks. They did the putting the nail through the coin thing. Oh, and, uh, wow. That's some pretty advanced stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was great. So I showed them, mm. I only have two magic tricks that I know, and I showed them both. And uh, they were, they were, they loved it as well. It's you know the, the I can do the disappearing. You can make things disappear out of your palm of your hand. Ah, I won't say mm-hmm. how, but you know it's quite easy to yeah. do with small children. And yeah. their, their faces were just like, oh wow, <gasps> <laughs> until they realised how it happened. But I won't give away the secret, of course. But uh, yeah, it is. There was something about that, and it was. You could tell they were loving it. And when my kids were younger, them doing shows of dancing and singing and acting and magic, it's all part of gross. You, you'll get that with... Yeah, Xander, my, my little four-month-old boy is, uh, you know, here's a, here's a treat, you know, like, I'm just so excited about being a dad, you know, like all my life I focused on being, you know, you focus on trying to be a good husband, you focus on trying to be a good son, a good entrepreneur, a good business person. And then your son comes along. And you're 30 years old and now you have to learn how to be this whole new thing that you've never been your whole life, you know, to, to be a better dad. And, and, and I'm loving the journey. It's great. It's just beautiful. So yeah. Parenting is a weird thing, isn't it? Parenting is the most, probably one of the most important things we ever do in our life because the mm. person we have the most influence over is our children without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And yet nobody trains us how to do it. Isn't that strange? <laughs> yeah. I think it should be a class in school. In fact, we don't want to have them too early, obviously, as well. But the, <laughs> I, I, I finally realized, Lee, what unconditional love is. Can, yeah. I, can, I, can I try to define this for you? Because I thought I was quite a proud moment. I, I feel like after he was born, I think of ways that he's going to hurt himself Every single moment of every single day, I'm like, huh, I think this is what unconditional love is. I've never cared about something so much where I started dreaming about ways he was going to hurt himself and then waking up yeah. freaking out. And I called my mom and I told her, I'm like, mom, I can't handle this. I'm so, I feel so anxious all that I'm going to drop him. He's going to, he's going to yeah. fall off the bed and then land on the, the bed. And then my mom's just like, son, welcome to unconditional love. <laughs> I was like, wow, it's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, my, my, my kids were born oh, a bit early. They, they were premature. They were born seven weeks oh, early. Wow. So we had all that thing going on. So when, when mm. my kids were born, they were, we were showing them very quickly and then they were rushed off to be looked after and put into the special care baby unit. And I remember as they, as they came out, uh, and Rhea was my firstborn. She was born seven minutes before Lauren. And as she came, oh. I looked at her, just her little eyes, just for about a minute before they took her away. 
And, wow. and in that moment, honestly, it was the ultimate dad moment. I thought, yeah, I'll take a bullet for you. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I love how there's a love how there's a little bit of doubt there. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Look, I've, yeah. I've just met you. It depends yes. how big the bullet was. It just it depends the gun and you know <laughs> yeah. where in the body. It's just no, but that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's like a kind of moment, isn't it? So yeah, you can't mm. do that. And, yeah, maybe more professional speakers should speak about parenting. Eh, that might help. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think more of us should humanize ourselves as well. It's why I talk about my family in my talks. It's why I talk about my children and my wife. I think, I think one of the things that um, help us, and you know, trying to keep it speaker specific, otherwise we chat all day. But it's like, <laughs> I, I think one of the most beautiful things I've learned through my teachers is that then make them feel like you're one of them and they're one of you straight away. Wow. And to me, the fastest way to do that is, hey, I've got a family and so do you. So let me show you my family. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, find a fun way to do it. Find an engaging way to do it. Don't just be like, oh, here's my family. Now, moving on to the topic of sales. Like to, to me, give your presentation at least five minutes of just raw, will you, dad, you, whatever you, you want to show in your personal life. Because then the audience is now, you're human. You know, so I like that. I really like that flavor. Okay, so we could talk all day. I don't want to vent because I, you know, it's a, I want to keep the podcast to a decent level. Otherwise, people think what's yeah. going on about. But I'm loving it. So quickly, could you give a couple of tips for someone who's just thinking about becoming a speaker, and a couple mm. of tips, maybe some you've already said, but a couple of tips for someone who's already in that world, already in that journey, but maybe not at the fellow or CSP level, you know, at, at the upper level. So what what would you say? To them, a couple of quick tips, you know. To a to a beginner, I I think one of the most important things to a beginner is work on your foundations. So work. What that means is work on your keynote as much as you can, because before you're speaking, you can write a keynote, you can rehearse a keynote, you can do so many different things. And and in theatre, we learned a fundamental rule that every minute on stage in theatre was two hours of rehearsal. So I kind of had that foundation going into speaking that, you know, every time I write a new keynote, I'll rehearse it for 100 hours, 120 hours. And I think that kind of obsession is the level that you need to get to and discipline so that you, when you start to speak, you will see traction in your career. Whereas most people go, oh, I want to be a speaker. Oh, I just write a keynote, practice it twice in my head and let's try. And then they do that keynote, that keynote never gains any traction. Whereas if you're doing a keynote that you've rewritten, you've re-edited multiple times, you'll gain more traction, which will help you with more motivation to get you to the end goal that you're after. So, yeah. and, at, and, at, and at the end of the day, this is what I realized as well. I mean, you're a singer. You're just singing a one-hour song on stage. So you've got to make sure the lyrics are bloody meaningful and good and adds value. And then you've got to make sure your voice is in check. You, you're singing well. I've seen many speakers who are starting out who sing very meaningful songs, but are bad singers. Yeah. So they lose. And at no fault of their own, because no one's telling them this. So that's the, the only feedback you ever get from an audience is, I feel like you were talking too fast. That's the only piece of feedback people are happy to give. Yeah. Nothing else. So <laughs> it's annoying. So, and, and the, to the pro level, I would say this game is all about relationships. It is all about relationships. I've, I'm only here in the US because a bureau over here sponsored my whole family's visa. I'm only here in the US because I have great friendships with quite a number of bureaus here where I'm friends with the agents. 
Um, one of them just came to my house for dinner two weeks ago. His family came. My family was here. Our tr- like both our childrens were there, and it's genuine, real friendships. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what and that, that my my mentor from Australia, my business mentor from Australia. He he's fantastic. Before I came to the US, he he sat me down, uh, metaphorically slapped and punched me in the mouth, and said, "Vin, when all is said and done." Everything in the world comes down to relationships. So when you're over there, don't sell people. Don't don't push yourself onto others. Build meaningful relationships, and the way you do that is you add more value to them than can, they can ever add to you. And he was so pragmatic about this. He goes, and don't buy a Ferrari so that people would like and admire you. Become the Ferrari. In terms of your personality, yeah. your ability, your friendship. You're everything. He goes, when you can become that, people don't want to hang out with you because you have a Ferrari or a Rolex or whatever that's fancy, but they want to hang out with you because it's you. And he goes, when you discover that truly, Vin, you win. So I've, I've, I've kept that on my wall. I will become a Ferrari. I like that because that's given me the right direction to be able to build my speaking career. Okay. I understand. Fantastic advice. Yeah. Thank you so much. So uh, how can people find out more about you, Vin, and, and your work and, as a speaker? Oh, look, just um, jump onto www.vinhgiang.com. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Or, or just search um, Asian Blonde Magician. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a blonde and people used to find me that way because I don't remember my name, which was hilarious. <laughs> You're a natural blonde. It's, uh, you've got kind of brown hair. It's, it's complicated, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it is. That, that's what keeps you guessing. That's what, that's what made you think, what? Like, where's this guy from? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that is amazing. Great. So we'll leave it there, Vin. It's yeah. fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. and your And, and look, I, I, think, I think one last thing. Oh, yeah, sure. One last thing I'll say is I've, I've done a lot of, just like you mentioned, comedy classes and and I'm, it's just hopeless. I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm not like really good, ha ha funny. So, so what I learned to do was one of the best things I've done, Lee, is I find comedians that I like, not A grade comedians, obviously, just kind of, you know, B or C or maybe even F grade. And then I kind of pay them and go, hey, can you come out to one of my keynotes and sit in the back of the room? And can you help me uncover some humor? Don't, don't add humor. Can you just help me uncover some of that humor? And what happens at the end of the day is I'll end up getting like 10 pages of notes you know, eight of them are about sex and fart and inappropriate things that I can't talk about. But then two pages, Lee, are completely gold. <laughs> like nothing, nothing I could have ever come up with. Like, let's be honest, like nothing I could have ever come up with. And then I use it and I only paid a thousand bucks for two pages of jokes that now make my one hour keynote seem like it's 10 minutes have passed. I see. So for those, for those people who don't have magic, this is a killer strategy. Like, you know, it, I spent thousands of dollars doing all these comedy classes and I never produced gold like that. So I'm like, bugger it. Instead of produce trying to dig for gold, just get people who know how to dig for it every day to dig it for you. Wow. So there you go. So, so you're a big believer in using experts. Obviously, Vin, that is fantastic advice. And so there oh, you yeah. go. A big thank you to Vin, and I'll put the details of his website below, and you can check out his showreel, and, and he, it was just great. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure, Vin. Thank you. No dramas, mate. Cheers. Good chat to you. 
Thanks for listening to the Get Good at Presenting podcast with your host, Lee Jackson. If you'd like to know more about Lee's work as a motivational keynote speaker and presentation coach, visit his website at leejackson.biz. That's leejackson.biz.